I'm Maria Menunos, and you're tuned in to AfterBuzz TV, the ESPN of TV talk. Now, let the buzz begin. Ah, uh, yes, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for joining me here at AfterBuzz TV Studios live in Los Angeles, California for a very, very special interview. I'm excited to be here. My name is Jack Farmer. I get to be your host today. But the most important thing is our guest, the guy who I get to chat to. Everyone who watches wrestling has a favorite intro theme, and this is the guy that makes those things happen. Ladies and gentlemen, introducing AEW's music producer, let's hear it for Mikey Ruckus. How you doing, Mikey? Wow, that was one amazing intro. Thank you so much. (laughs) Well, you know, the only thing missing is we need to get some intro music for you when we uh, when we chat. <laughs> I had a feeling that, that was going to be the next follow up. That was good. <laughs> yeah. So I'm really excited about this uh, as a lifelong wrestling fan, and I think most wrestling fans would agree. We all have the the themes and the music that that really stand out to us. Um, so I think this is cool, getting the chance to talk to you, since you are the guy behind all the amazing music we get to hear every week on Dynamite. For sure, and it's something that I, I grew up watching wrestling, and it was always something that always piqued my interest from childhood. And uh, to be here today and to do this at the level that that is being offered to me in this opportunity, it's, it is a dream come true. Uh, it's all fast forward and it's amazing. And every single day that I wake up, it's just, it's exciting to be doing this. Yeah. So that was one of my questions, actually. I'm really glad you brought that up originally. Uh, you're a, a lifelong wrestling fan, it sounds like. Uh, who were some of the people you watched growing up? Well, you know, I was, I was really, really heavy into WWF. Uh, you know, I'm, mm-hmm. an, I'm an 80s kid. Um, Love it. And that was the main thing. And of course, NWA was another one and I, I can remember my very first image of professional wrestling my mom was a huge fan back in the day and uh very cool yeah. <laughs> jimmy superfly snooker was the first one that i really yes. took to yes and uh and it just it kind of started it started a whole thing from there uh getting in towards where i grew up a little bit and got into the the, the early 2000s i kind of got away from wrestling mm-hmm. as mixed martial arts kind of started to take shape and right around 2016 is when I transitioned back into the industry and really started pushing on the music aspect of it. So I went away for a little while, but I always kind of kept an ear out and always kind of kept an eye out to see what was happening. But just to be able to operate in that, it's just it's an amazing feeling. And you, know, you had mentioned growing up and, and your mom being a fan of wrestling. I'm curious about the music. Were you always this into music or were you the person that your mom was like, do your piano lessons, and you're like, I don't want to, Mom. Or were you like, no, Mom, I'm going to get on this guitar. I don't care what you tell me to do. What kind, were you always this into music? No, the, the funny thing was our household was a very musical household, not in terms of talent, but yeah. you know, my mom was big into oldies music. So I would come home from school. The windows would be open. She'd be cleaning house, and you know, the Beatles would be playing, and she's 
walking through the house and singing at the top of her lungs. My older oh, sister was a huge Culture Club and Duran Duran fan, so she <laughs> would be blasting the stereo, and we would all kind of gather around the stereo and sing backup vocals <laughs> right. while she sang lead. So um, it didn't get into my teen years till I really started to discover instrumentation, and I started with guitar. And uh, it just kind of went from guitar to, to bass to drums and then back to guitar again. And uh, and then just studying over the years independently. I, I don't know how to read music. Uh, I have severe ADHD. Right. So everything <laughs> that I've learned over the years, I just learned from from my ear and just and practice. See, that's so cool to hear that you figure this stuff out and you learn this stuff on your own without necessarily going through a more structured route. But it, to me, it sounds more like a, an art of love because you're like, I love doing this and I'm doing it as opposed to, well, I guess I got to go to this school and learn this thing and do this next thing. Um, when did you realize, though, this was more than just a hobby for you? Well, right around 2010, uh, you know, I, I spent the better part of my of my life in retail management mm -hmm. and I've always played music on the side but right around 2010 is where I decided you know I need something to kind of supplement my income and I wasn't really good at anything else other than working in a retail store and playing music on the side so I just decided I'm going to do this and make custom music and at the time I was rooted in the mixed martial arts industry so I started mm -hmm. working with fighters on the regional level and the local level and said, I'm going to make a custom song for you. And within a year I had my music being played in the UFC. I had UFC fighters coming to me asking for custom music. And I've always wanted to go into the wrestling field. But at the time I was just so enamored with the realism and the, 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 the actual warfare hand-to-hand -hand combat that was mixed martial arts. When that industry started to dry up around 2016 and the UFC and everybody kind of mm -hmm. started to kind of scale back, I noticed that the independent wrestling scene was in a boom period. And so I decided to make my transition and basically start over. I built my brand up in MMA between 2010 and 2016 and then started all over again in, in professional <laughs> wrestling. Between 2016 and early 2019, I had created over 250 entrance themes for Ooh. professional wrestlers within the United States and the UK. So it just it, it started by out of necessity for survival. And it right. just kind of blew up over the years into the, something completely different. And it just created a workflow where this is like, this is my thing. I walk into my office, I turn on the switch, and then I go to work. So that's really cool to hear. It sounds like you approached the fighters originally about making music for them, or was it the other way around? They came to you? or It sounds like from what you're saying that you said, hey, look, I'm good at this. I want to make you some cool music. Is that sort of how it happened? Yeah, and, and it wasn't I wasn't even really good at it when I first started. <laughs> I <just laughs> you didn't tell them that, that though, right? <laughs> no, not at all. I just I said, you know what, I'm going to do this. And I reached out to them and then I began to network and you know, of course, with Facebook and social media and things like that, I was able to just to start contacting people. Next thing I know, I have, you know, professional mixed martial arts companies contacting me and I'm working with people all over the globe and and it just it kind of just developed over time to this thing where I, I gained momentum and I gained uh, a workflow and it and it just worked. And uh, I realized that there is a need out there. And, you know, the goal was always to have some place that I can go and work and, and do this full time. I never thought that day would come. So I kind of settled into this thing where I was I was running a retail store, working 60 hours a week in the store 
But then, you know, I would, after a 10 hour day at, at my store, I would go home and I would have a client sheet where I was doing freelance. And I did that right. for a long time. And I could have anywhere from three, three fighters or three wrestlers to deliver music to. And I would have sometimes up to 30. And uh, it was very taxing uh, after a while. And it kind of got to a point where I said, you know, something's got to change. And right around that time where I felt like I was starting to get burned out is when I heard about AEW. So that's awesome to hear that you were, I always love hearing the stories about people who are working, uh, you know, the can't see hours when it's dark outside and, and when everyone else is sleeping, you're putting in the work to build what you do, which is so cool to hear about. Uh, you had mentioned obviously now, uh, AEW getting involved and that's obviously where, what we're chatting about today. I'm curious how that connection happened. How did you get connected with them? Was it like, a, you know, you're on LinkedIn and you message Cody or was it like one of the fighters you've worked with or how did that connection really happen just to bring you guys together in the first place? Right. Well, it was all it was actually a combination of all of those things. So I, I had developed a really good network over the years uh, where I could go and don't have to say anything publicly. I could just talk to one person who could talk to another person who can get me that contact. And the first thing I saw about AEW was a tweet from Dustin Rhodes. I had followed Dustin on Twitter. Mm -hmm. And the first thing I saw was he was very proud of his brother mm -hmm. and what he was into. So then I was like, well, what's, what's Cody doing? <laughs> so I looked and I saw the announcement of AEW. And when I saw it, I mean, I just, for me, it, in my mind, I just said, that gig is mine. Like there's yeah. no other question. It's it's mine. This is this is what I need to do. And I'm definitely a, a half glass full type of person. And I'm always trying to look at how to make it completely full. And uh, so I, I love that. I love that. I, yeah. And my wife is a total opposite. She sees the glass <laughs> half full, or she sees it half empty, and she sees people standing off to the side, thirsty, you know, ready right. to drink. So right. right. <laughs> anyway, um, you know, so I, I started putting the I started putting the words out there. And I could not get a hold of Brandy and Cody to save my life. Like they were ninjas. Right. And right. Was, and I was like, this is, this is crazy. Like I've, I've never had this situation happen before where I couldn't reach out to somebody. So I continued to put feelers out there. And then finally I just, I tweeted out, I said, I am your guy. I said, I'm not, I've never been one to kind of stand back and be quiet. I've always gone after what I felt like I deserved and what I felt like I was ready to work for. Right. And uh, amidst of that, I had somebody contact me and say, hey, this is the person you want to get in touch with. And that person's number that, that was given to me was QT Marshall. Oh. So I sent a message and, uh, and he, sent, he sent me a message back and he's like, what are you looking for in compensation? And we kind of, we threw some messages back and forth. Then I didn't hear anything. And next thing I know that a lot of the previous clients that I had worked with over the years started to tweet out to Cody and Brandy, this is your guy. And that's when things kind of started to change. I got a message from Brandy on Instagram and, you know, and said, let's right. set up a call. And I'm like, wow, this is it. So in that first conversation, it was a conference call with Brandy and a couple of other representatives. She says, one of the things that stood out to me and that stood out to all of us as the team is that the people that you've worked with previously went to bat for you. She said they kind of lifted you up, and that really speaks volumes. Because at the end of the day, anybody can give a great interview, anybody can pad a resume, and everybody can sound good right at that moment. Right. But when you have people that have worked side by side with you over the years, and some of those people I hadn't talked to in years, and they they 
put it out there for me and they helped me. And, and it was just, it was, it was an amazing and humbling feeling at that moment. So we began to kind of talk back and forth. And originally they needed one song for double or nothing 2019. And then they needed five and well, what would you <laughs> charge for 20? So I said, well, look, you can pay me 20. You can pay me for 20 or I'll just work here forever. For right. This. So smart, <laughs> smart. I'm, I'm yeah. Paraphrasing of course. Yeah. But then a couple of later I got the phone call and they said, we want to bring you on. And it was late and I was in my front yard and, I tried really hard not to yell and scream and backflip, you know, but we were off and running May 1st of 2019. I joined all elite wrestling and, uh, it was, it's been fast forward ever since then. That is, it's so amazing. And, uh, a number of things I want to touch on first off, how surreal it must be to be, uh, having this opportunity of a lifetime happen through social media in this day and age with, uh, messages on Instagram and, and Twitter, Twitter and all that good stuff. Um, uh, speaking of Twitter, I do want to take a quick, quick moment. I got to give a, give a shout out to one of our viewers and listeners and a mutual follower of, of ours, Haywood Wong, who this whole interview really is happening because he connected us via a tweet. So it really does show the power of Twitter. And, uh, and really, I just want to give a quick thank you to everyone who watches and everyone who takes part in the show and gives reviews and five stars and all that good stuff because you guys are super valuable to us and it does lead to things like this really cool interview. So thank you to everyone. Thank you to Haywood Wong. Uh, but I, I want to get back into the AEW stuff. And um, it's always interesting to me. Do you have, uh, you know, you'd mentioned they'd ask for a certain number of songs and things like that. Do you sort of have like a library you keep and then when they ask for something like, hey, best friends need a new song, and you kind of go, okay, this is sort of what I have, or is it all from scratch? Or what does that process look like to you when you get a request for a new song, for instance? Yeah, so 99%, 99.9% is from scratch. The only time that, that I reach into like a, a previous catalog is if we have uh, somebody come in, like local talent comes in last minute, for a tryout match or for um, an enhancement match. And we need something for them in that moment. Mm -hmm. uh, any other ca contracted talent, it's all from scratch. <clears throat> but the best friends theme in particular, that was actually the second song yeah. um, that I had written for them. That's a and banger, that by one, the way. Yeah, I uh, appreciate it. And okay. the first one uh, was actually a, a rock tune. And I had gone and researched what they were doing on online and somebody had sent me a clip of a rock song. So I put together a rock tune and then they came back and they said, well, they kind of want something like Beastie Boys. And I was yeah. like, say no more. That, that's <laughs> all I need to know. Beastie yeah. Boys. So that together and everybody kind of loved it. And it took a it, it's it's taken a life of its own. Um, but at the end of the day, like the time and the process, it was a lot easier in the beginning when we just had pay-per-views. But yeah. now with TV every week, I'll usually the average is maybe three days, and uh, Ooh, that's so, a quick turnaround. Yeah, and we're and, and again we're on fast forward. So the process and that you have to have a workflow. And I and I had worked so many years in a specific workflow, and I thought, you know what, I'm ready. I'm ready to hit this, and I'm ready to do what I do when I get to this level. And really, what happened? is I got to that level and it jumped like 20 <laughs> times. Right. And it's like people say that in all aspects, like college football and, and, and uh, you know, minor league baseball, college baseball. When you get to the majors, the speed is so much faster. 
Right. And that's exactly what's happening here. So, and there's really no time. You just, you got to go in, you got to know what you're doing. You got to understand your workflow and your creative process. And it's all about decision-making. So you get your feedback and your information from the talent, from the EVPs, from Brandy and Tony and QT. And I'll even uh, get together with Kevin Sullivan, the VP of post-production, mm-hmm. and kick around some ideas because they're creating the video walls at the same time. So, uh, And I try to turn around a sample as quickly as possible. Uh, there's no time to fool around. We send it up. They give me any feedback, any changes that I need to make. If I need to start all over again, I start all over again. So that's always been my thing. I don't really put an investment uh, in in feelings when I'm telling somebody else's story because this is not my story to tell. I tell their story. So if they need me to change something, there's no question. I'll go back and I'll change it, and I'll do it as many times as I need to to make sure it's exactly the way they want it before they play it. And that shows a lot of professionalism because it's very easy to say don't take it personally when you're a creative. But it is hard when you put a lot of work into creating something and someone says, no, we need to make a change to it. Um, I'm, I'm very curious. What kind of fe- – do they give you feedback? Um, I mean you had mentioned with Best Friends. They, they had mentioned Beastie Boys. Uh, but in, with other cases, with like a, uh, a Darby Allen or whoever, do they give you input or are they just like, hey, this is Darby Allen, this is what he looks like, you do you, do what you think fits best? Like how does that sort of process look? So it all, it all varies and especially in the beginning, you know, we had some talent that already had their music with them. So mm-hmm. and there are a handful that have their own, like Darby does have his own music. He got right. uh, Wick to, to create his music for him. So in the very beginning, it was just me and, and Brandy. I communicated to Brandy. Brandy communicated to the EVPs and the talent, and then they filtered all of that back to me. Right. And as, began to, as I began to build trust in the relationship that we had, and they saw that my work was consistent. They saw that I didn't really produce any delays. I didn't create any issues. I did what was needed of me. Then things started to change. Like I can remember sitting at a, the dinner table with my wife and we're, we're eating at a restaurant. And I get an email from Cody about the, the double or nothing theme. Mm-hmm. And I'm kind of like, I get an email and I look around like somebody's watching me. I'm like, <laughs> am, am I being right now? Cody Rose just messaged me. Yeah. And then it became random text messages from people I didn't know. I'm like, who is this? And, oh, it's Kenny. I need you to, to work on this for Shanna, you know, Shanna's right. theme. And, you know, so it just kind of, and then there were times where they were like, we trust you. We want you to work individually with the talent. This is their number. So it's, it's kind of snowballed into now that they, now that I'm, I'm part of the team and they know that I'm here for the long haul, the floodgates are kind of open and the creativity and the pathways of communication are all open and we all discuss it. Is that's uh, that's very cool to hear, and it also shows that just because it, a lot of times people feel like they've made it, and I'm sure there's that moment of feeling like you made it when you were first got signed with AEW, but then knowing no, you're still proving yourself, and there's still more to do and still more to kind of build on. So you start getting that opportunity to speak with the talent directly and uh, to build more and more of those of those themes going forward. Uh, something that, that I'm curious about, and I don't know how much you're going to be allowed to, to talk about, but obviously people who come on TV are going to need a theme, which tells me you must have some idea of some of the people before they debut, right? Sure. <laughs> <laughs> I would... But, yeah, at the same time, um, I, don't, I don't get long-term uh, plans. Like, that's... Right. I think a lot of those long-term plans are left between the 
that the EVPs themselves, the EVPs, Tony, and mm-hmm. people don't realize how much their hands are into everything. They they keep track of everything and they're into everything and they're there. And I think that's that keeps the company as a whole grounded because, um, you know, the last thing that you need is is somebody catching wind of, of information and then they leak it to the wrong person or tell the wrong person. Usually when it comes to talent that's on the way, um, I don't I don't really even give a thought to rumors or anything like that. When mm-hmm. I get the call, I get the call. Sometimes I get the call like the day before. Right. Um, I'll give you an example. I think the longest, the longest time I've had to prepare for talent coming in was Jake Roberts, and that was maybe or no, Jake Roberts was two days. Um, Jeff Cobb was about a week, and interesting. We ended up needing the music a week earlier than we thought we were going to need it. So, like, I I thought we were going to use it for the following Wednesday, and they were just going to do a vignette for that that particular dynamite oh you know jericho is going to introduce him and then we'll need the music next week so we'll put together a pitch for friday great i'm signing and closing on a house and i'm walking <laughs> out of the building and i get a text message that says hey can you get that cob music ready for tonight and i was and i said holy crap right right <laughs> so i and basically got his music done in about an hour and a half and got it ready for for showtime well, it sounded great. And, um, you know, you'd mentioned making music for Jake the Snake. I, I noticed you, you have a, a Legends album coming out soon, right? For all the music. Or yes. a, um, and I believe, was that, is that, um, I know you are releasing music on uh, St. Patrick's Day, Tuesday, correct? Yeah, or it's, so it's streaming, be, yeah. but you can buy it now, I, I should say. Yeah, so we go through, uh, we go through CD Baby, and that's, um, you know, the cool thing about AEW is they've allowed me the opportunity to kind of take ownership of releasing the themes out to the people. I am I'm, I'm my goal is to be different from any other wrestling musician that's ever become that's ever come before me. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's not many of us. And a lot of times they're very inaccessible. Mm-hmm. Um, they don't they're not very interactive. And, uh, you know, they just all of a sudden music appears and that's it. And then you don't hear from them for for years later. Um, We know that this content is something that the people want. And they said, you know, let's you do your thing. We get you the we get you the the cover art and you do your thing. And so we had kicked around the idea of the Legends album. Right. And what I want to do is there are so many that we've worked on over the over this last year. Like, why not put it together as a compilation? Because there's some that you haven't heard. And uh, we don't know if they'll ever be played. You know what I mean? They were yeah. they were for a specific time. So why not? It's all about fun. It's all about interactivity. And this thing with music, nothing is ever etched in stone. It's like an oil painting. So you can always go back and you can always change and you can always evolve. So it's good to get that music out there. And then a year later or six months later, you've got another track that's maybe the same, but it's evolved. And it just tells the story. It's like telling a story and turning the page and, and maybe checking out a new volume of, of that actual story arc. I love that attitude of it evolving and always changing and growing. I think that's it's it's an awesome way to look at things. And I love the music. I was talking to a bunch of my friends before this about their favorite uh, intro music. And 
we basically listed off the roster. The music that you guys have is uh, is is great. Uh, I know you're a busy guy, and I don't want to take up too much more of your time. Uh, so I do want to first again just say thank you again for being on the show. But uh, can you let everyone who's listening or watching uh, know maybe where they can find you online or any other projects you have coming up? Sure. So, um, of course, Mikey Ruckus. You can pretty much find me anywhere. Type in Mikey Ruckus, M-I-K-E-Y-R-U-K-U-S. Not mm-hmm. not with a C. Everybody likes right. to call me Uncle Ruckus. <laughs> you know, but just, yeah, Mikey Ruckus. Uh, I'm on Twitter. I'm on Instagram. I'm on Facebook. Um, I pulled a lot of my own personal music down uh, just because I actually just recently signed a deal with E1. And you'll see uh, a Ruckus solo album coming out later on in 2020. I love it. Um, so I'm excited for that. Uh, a, a film, a horror film that I scored uh, just got released online. Uh, I think it's hitting, headed to Comcast as well. It's on Microsoft. It's on Apple. Uh, it's called Body Farm. It's oh, an amazing nice. movie. Uh, the directors are the first time, first time filmmakers. They had an amazing story. The effects they put together and with the budget that they did, I mean, it was top notch. It won a, a ton of awards on the festival circuit, and now it's hitting uh, it's hitting distribution on digital platforms. So be sure to check that out. And I try to be as interactive as possible, so feel free to hit me messages on Twitter. And if I have the time, I will respond. Uh, I'm just I I'm a normal guy that's been thrust in, into <laughs> an, ignore, an ordinary situation. Well, and, you, uh, you're I'm, at the very least a very busy guy. I can't believe all the stuff you've got going on right now. This is crazy. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, most I'm people would man. say I'm closing hey. on a house, and that's what they're doing until they're done with that. But you, you're, you're moving and shaking. You've got movies coming out. You've got albums coming out. You've got entrance themes coming out. Man, when do you sleep? Uh... It's a suggestion. I'll sleep later. <laughs> <laughs> well, man, I appreciate you so much for, for coming by and chatting with us today. I know all the people watching are going to appreciate it as well. Again, I just want everyone to check out the, the movie Body Farm when it's available. I can't wait to see that. The album, we're looking out for that. But if you are listening to this now, definitely Go and check out some of the intro themes. You can see where you can buy and download them on uh, Mikey's uh, Twitter page at Mikey Ruckus and you can also check them out streaming I believe in a few weeks or whenever they become available shortly Um, I have a Spotify page as well so all of the themes that we've released previously are now on digital uh, all digital uh, distribution platforms Google Play, Apple Music, iTunes and Spotify just type in All Elite Wrestling and those themes will come up very cool I love it well thanks again for uh, for being on the show Mikey and uh, uh, we'll chat again later Thank you. It was an absolute pleasure. I appreciate it. All right. Thank you. Have a good one. You too. Well, that was our interview with Mikey Ruckus, the creator of so much of the music on AEW. Thank you so much for joining us. Again, my name is Jack Farmer. You can find me at jackcfarmer.com as well as at realjackfarmer across all social media. I am also the host of the AEW Dynamite After Show every single Wednesday at 8 p.m. Pacific time, as well as the AEW Social Media Skim. Every Monday we film that, and I do the WWE Raw After Show as well every Monday at 9 p.m. Pacific. Until next time, folks, buzz you later.
Our founder, Kevin Undergaro, and me, Maria Menunos, would like to thank you for tuning in to AfterBuzz TV. Remember, we're not just the first, we're the biggest in the world, and we're the only destination for all your favorite TV shows. Whatever you crave, we've got it. So go to AfterBuzzTV.com and check out our lineup. Buzz you later. <laughs> the views expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principals.